Right, here we go. Here we go. Are you ready? Here's the question now. <laughs> what do you believe the role of background or culture is to creativity? Ever wish life had a... <clears throat> ever wish life had an undo... Ever wish life had an undo button? With over 30 years experience in the creative industry, Matt and Dylan spill their secrets and share their insights about business and design. All to try to save you an undo. This is the Command Z Show, presented by Made by Things and Mingus Design. Hi, Charles. Charles? Charles Harrison. He Hello. is a superhero. Um, and uh, let's see. I, you know what? I, I had this big intro plan for you. I've been thinking about this for a couple of days now, honestly. About and that how was it? Yeah, no, that wasn't it. That was the this the preview, for, for, as a preview for the intro, the of the thing. So, um, basically, you know, I started thinking like Charles, how long have I known you now? It's been about six, seven years, somewhere around there. Yeah. Seven ish. Yeah. To me, this this experience right now, being able to talk to both of you at the same time, I don't know if I've ever been able to do this before, but you you both are two of my favorite people to have conversations. Aww. with. Listen, listen. I'm not trying to butter anybody else up here, but I'm just trying to to say, like, for me, this is like such a cool thing to have both of you in the same video room and to be able to kind of have the conversation we're about to have. Um. Anyway, anyway, um, Charles very early on was um, he he's been there. Since the very beginning of making Midwest, whenever I started that, and there was eight people in a room, he was there and standing up saying, "How can I help? And what what can I do to to help this thing grow?" It's weird because you, you always have people that will always come up to you and say, "Like, how can I help? How can I help? Like, do something." Whether things are like not going super great in your life or whatever, but like, there's no, there's always people that are like that want to help. But it's kind of next level whenever somebody just kind of forces their way in to help a little bit. And that's exactly what Charles did. He's like, well, I'm going to start like recording like video of these talks that that happen here and we'll see what happens. And I don't know if you thought, Charles, that it would turn into something as elaborate as it did, but it was initially just a couple of conversations like on a weeknight and then it turned into like three days worth of recording 16 talks and these like workshop things that we were doing. Um, it turned into a monster, but, but I don't think I've ever heard Charles complain a single time. You know, and I could I say the same it, thing. So. Yeah. I've so. never, this is a guy who, uh, I'm going to butter you up now, Charles. Uh, Here we go. That's just weird. That's just so weird. <laughs> Who's, why do we say that? It's gross. Anyway, <laughs> Anyway, uh, Charles, I'm, I was thrilled when Matt said you said yes to coming on the podcast because like Matt said, you're one of my favorite people. Uh, you've been uh, an encourager to me for a long time. And uh, I, I just love your spirit. And uh, you're just one of those people that you, you want to see. You, I want to see you walk in the room, you know, puts a smile on my face. And, hey, man, Charles is here. So 
I got I got to say the same thing for your cohort, Jason, because he's he might hear this and he'd be like, "What? I didn't get mentioned." But anyway, well, maybe we'll have him on later. But the <laughs> thanks, fact Jason. is, <laughs> thanks, Jason. Uh, <laughs> fact is, you're here, and I'm I'm thrilled. So thank you for making it happen. Yes, sir. Yeah. I I will say that I am proud of you guys, and I love when I'm around y'all. It's like it's the best feeling ever. It's creativity at its utmost positive level. Well, I appreciate that, man. And basically, I have a question for you. Charles, this is something that we haven't ever really talked about before, honestly. And that's why I'm kind of most most curious about it. The work you do, uh, you do a lot of video work and is, is very inspiring stuff. You're able to, to capture these stories of of people in a much deeper sense than honestly, that I would even think to go with, with some of these people. And I, I think it's really fascinating, just your, your eye for video and your ability almost as a journalist, almost in a way, like a, a, a video journalist. Um, it has me really curious about kind of what you believe. Right, here we go. Here we go. Are you ready? Here's the question now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you believe the role of background or culture is to creativity? Let me let me uh, let me ask Matt a little clarification on that. When you right. say background or culture, uh, uh, to help us help us understand yeah. where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah. Here. I guess you know I think about things like like family, location, demographics, psychographics, um, any of that kind of stuff. What we believe or what what you believe, Charles, like all that stuff has to to do with the creativity that we have and the decisions that we make towards creativity is that a really complex question <laughs> uh, yes yes in <laughs> a weird in a weird way it's like um i'm trying to figure out the the, the right mm -hmm. words to use because it goes hand in hand right like it's it informs the latter right so like what the video looks like by the end of the day, it has a lot to do with the background story, right? Right. But for me, for me, I, I'm yeah. speaking for myself. Let, let me say this. I, I guess I'm curious about the two different angles. One, I'm curious for your own angle from, from yourself. Like, how did you even get to thinking about telling stories the way that you do? And second of all, like, how do you go and look for those stories in other people? One, I really don't, I'm not, this is going to sound blasphemous, but I don't necessarily care so much about the video component of it, but I care about as if I'm like Ash Ketchum, right? I'm getting these ideas from whoever I'm interviewing, right? I'm taking pieces of their, their life to apply to myself. I'm using this video medium to bring somebody in and just they take their life experience and give it to other people. Because my end goal is to be this professional artist who connects people, it connects ideas. So when I do interview somebody that I really want to quickly get away from that superficial level of things, which is extremely mundane to me. I like, I like when they talk about like, not necessarily caring to work today, or they don't have the time, or they're trying to figure out this situation. Um, speaking to an artist that uh, is just starting out in an artist that has been doing it for 30 years 
and those dynamics are really important to me in terms of uh, capturing their essence and then comparing and contrasting those two people. Um, then I guess I would say, what was the second part of that question? The second part was, I mean, I guess you answered kind of, this is all over the place, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, the second part was, I guess, how, how does your own background bring you to the creativity that you have? Um, and, and, and how do you, I guess, how do you believe it's, it's unique in a way? I can completely restructure this question if this is just not making no, sense. No, I actually, I think that this actually makes sense in terms of what I'm trying, what I'm going okay. to devote at this moment is that uh, I, in elementary school, was diagnosed with a learning disability, right? So I tried to find ways. Actually, I felt like an outcast, just put it like that. I felt like an outcast and I was trying to figure out what I could do to be successful. Right. And I was very in tune with my feelings. I, my, my grandmother had uh, like so many foster children. They were in and out of the house. But I saw these different personalities and stuff along those lines. And I was being told that I was less than less, not by my grandmother, but by the school system. And I was like, but I am pretty good with people. I'm pretty good at understanding people and stuff along those lines. And I, I wanted to continue to. I wanted to develop that that concept and that idea so that I could be successful in the world because I didn't see an opportunity for myself out. Like I couldn't, in my mind, after they told me I was unable to do X, Y, Z, I felt like I was unqualified or not qualified to be a part of a Fortune 500 company or to be a supervisor because I couldn't read as well as everyone else or something along those lines. So I was like looking for my 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 thing. And my grandmother, when I was sitting at home after they had diagnosed me, she was like, well, he just learns different. He just does different, right? And I was like, okay, well, what is that different thing? And that different thing was art. It was it was this, like, there's no real rules. There's just, you just do what you feel is right. And you start manipulating that thing to, to work. And it developed into this, being able to listen to people in a way that allows for ideas to come out um in a strong and where am I going with this is uh listen to people in a way that allows for them to feel comfortable with their weaknesses or their strengths and telling a direct story if that makes before, sense yeah that's great so before you got there before you got to let me kind of remap that a little bit you you said how when you were a kid you realized you're pretty good with people and what you just described was you realized that you could you could move around the learning learning disability by taking those people skills and helping uh, or using that to to draw these conversations out. Uh, and and in between those two things, art was that was that movement or that 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 category that got you towards that. So that all makes sense. But uh, so my question is: before you got from hey, art's the way I want to do this, and now I'm going to have these conversations with people. And of course, as we already know, you do this via video now. Where, what was the starting point from an art standpoint? Did you go down like a traditional path, you know, drawing classes, something like that? Or did you, did you jump right into somebody gave you a video camera and, and here goes Charles? Uh, it was a very non-straight line. It was a okay. lot of, so 
I was, I drew, I painted. Um, I actually went to school for video game design. Uh, so it was not, it was not a straight line whatsoever. I, I still, I still, though I do video, I still see myself as just an artist that wants to tell stories in any way that allows me to. It's not focused to video. I just happen to be better or I happen to get paid for doing video. Um, but that's, that's not a coincidence uh, though, that you get paid to, to do those things. You get paid to do it because you're good at it. Mm. <laughs> I mean, that's, uh, okay, I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> um, so the short answer is I I started out as drawing. My uncle, is, he, he was a drawer and a painter. He was, in this, he was super into comic books and stuff along those lines. Okay. And uh, I moved on from there. And so uh, that that's there's a story, obviously, storyline in comic books. When you were doing the video game curriculum, did that curriculum at any point focus on the storyline of a video game or was it really more about mechanics and, and design? Uh, it was, at least in that iteration of it, it was more about the mechanics, which is why I left because uh, with the learning disability that you had to, coding, this was before Dreamweaver and all that other stuff gave you exactly what was missing in the code. It turned it red and stuff like this. It was like, you had to look through a whole bunch of text and if this is true, this is true, so on and so forth. And I was like, this isn't for me. I'm visual. I'm 100% yeah. visual and I cannot look through all these lines of text to figure this one thing out. Yeah, we're, I, I know, uh, I know I'm, I'm the old guy in the room, but we're all, I think all three of us have been at some point down that road of should I learn to code or not? And um, there was a time probably predating you guys where there was a real hard push for designers to learn code. And maybe you, did you guys feel that too at some point in your career? Let's say at some point, I don't know. For me, it was, I heard it. I just never really cared. Okay. Like, I just like, yeah, well, you all go do that. I'll do this. <laughs> okay. The reason I ask is because I, mean, uh, I was in the dot-com boom and then the bust. This was like, for listeners, this was like back in the, we rode dinosaurs to work. And then there was this thing <laughs> called the internet that was started. You so got your weird... car and you had to use your feet to. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Or... Yep. <laughs> well, it was yabadabadoo.com, I believe was the yeah, correct right, way to say right. it. Of course. Anyway, that was a hard push back then. It was like, you guys got to learn how to code. We were like, so we all, we all dabbled. And right. I actually, I even took an HTML course when I was stationed in the Marine Corps in Hawaii. And I, I just, I fell asleep, really? literally fell asleep during the class. <laughs> no interest. Anyway, back to you, Charles. Um, I hear you. This is why I'm going off on that rabbit trail. Uh, it's it's our brains were it's a different side of the brain and so uh to hear you say that makes sense at least to me uh i concur like hey yeah I'm, i don't want to do this yeah uh if you don't mind me asking what is the learning disability that you have i mean it was like mild dyslexia and uh yeah. some kind of reading uh technically limitation which right. i realize now that i use as the motivation to do the business and everything else. I'm really stubborn. I'm really stubborn. And when somebody tells me I can't, that's when I try the hardest. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's kind of what the headspace was. Right. I think that's something, another thing that all three of us sort of share is that, <clears throat> well, maybe, maybe me and you, I don't know about you, Dylan, but I have this sort of 
I think we have this sort of chip on our shoulder where we almost feel like we have to prove something. And I don't think that that's necessarily the, the best thing, but actually, you know what, Dylan, I'm gonna turn that to be a compliment to you. I, I feel like I'm always trying to prove something, even after I've proved it, I'm like, I still feel like there's more to go. Like for me, whenever I was in school, I didn't necessarily have a diagnosed learning disability, but I definitely wasn't very good in school. A lot of those people that were around me had this sort of doubt. They were like, oh, well, he's not going to be able to, you know, do anything or he's going to basically grow up to be like just a shithead, basically. You just you feel like you have to prove something to them. Dylan, is that ever <laughs> is that something that you've ever experienced or, or feel like? Trying to prove things and perform and yeah. That'll... Oh, dude. Yeah. Okay. Every day, every day. That's not being dramatic. I think it's, I think it's, uh, I think it's wired into us as humans on some level, but, you know, going back to the original question here for Charles, when you talk about how background influences you, if, if, if we're saying background is, is the conditions and the environment in which you were raised, I was raised to be, um, a perfectionist and to perform, which go hand in hand. And, um, uh, my wife and I still talk about this on a good day, chuckle about it. Like we're performing, you know, we kind of roll our eyes yeah. at each other. So we recognize it. And there is, as I get older there, I think there is a tremendous danger if you don't recognize that behavior in your, in your life. And to, to in, in other words, the danger is that you, you may realize too late that uh, you've spent your life running towards something that doesn't matter. Right. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, I just said something that's going to, it's, it's really a can of worms, but, uh, but I do feel strongly about it. I, I think I am at that point in my life where, as I, as I put in a blog post last night on the website, um, I'm, I've had a chance to assess some things and I realized that um, the performance thing is, is, a, is a healthy thing to do if you have balance and you understand right. um, the greater purpose of your life. So yeah, there we go. How's that yeah. for something done pack? Charles, yeah. want to go ahead and take this one? Uh, let me, let me ask you this specifically, Charles. Um, so do you feel like that kind of, I think you're kind of hinting towards this already, but like, do you feel like that learning disability then like, do you still feel like today you're still trying to prove something to the past? This is a therapy uh, session. First I want Yes, it is. Right, yes, right. It is. First, I want to big up my uh, grandmother and my mom uh, because uh, with that learning disability, I was able to get top 10 in my high school and nice. I got summa cum laude in, at OSU when I went to OSU. So nice. with that, I like this, this conversation of perfection. Um, perfection to me, somebody said this recently, is an insecurity, right? It's that you want your work to be perfect. You want someone to like it, right? Mm -hmm. But when you're completely comfortable with yourself or whatever you really don't care what they do and it's, it's good enough because you made it um but i do think that all that stuff is a cornerstone to who i am as a person because i can like you like you're saying man i can go back to that moment when someone made fun of me or uh when i tried to sneak into the classroom so no one would see me because i was in a, a special class mm -hmm. um and i i to this moment, like it's like it was yesterday, like it was, 
earlier, I feel the, that need to be uh, validated. I need, I need to, I need to prove that my worth, um, in some capacity. Other ways, I just literally don't care. But um, in, in that, it's like this is the thing that I'm good at, so I should, I need to be good at it. Right. Yeah, I, I think that's that's one of the big similarities between the two of us and just the conversations that we've we've had, I guess, over over the years is just that <clears throat> that that past that is there and it's something that we still we still think about and i i love what you said dylan like you can't let it like you can't let it drive um but like i don't know to to know it's there i think is good and i you know i'm definitely guilty of that where it's it's gone too far at certain points so like for me whenever people even whenever people compliment me on like oh like you work really hard on this thing i'm like yeah but i do it a pretty unhealthy way sometimes like that's honestly the first thing that I that I think about so I'm like I should just say thank you <laughs> but for some reason my mind just goes to like anybody could do anything as long as like I don't know if they let the pain drive long enough <laughs> I don't know it's it's such a weird thing but it's I, I think about that even with like big celebrities or big business owners where like people are like hold these people up on a pedestal and they're like oh these are so amazing at what they do and it's like, yeah, but how, at what toll, at what cost do they do these things, right? Yeah, right. Like that, um, there's an album that came out, uh, a quick tangent here, uh, the playlist featuring Glenn Lewis. Um, it's this weird little, I think DJ Jazzy Jeff had a hand in it somehow. Anyway, but, but here's the premise. Get a bunch of great talent in a room and make an album in one week. And there's a dialogue on the album. And I think it's, I think it's Jeff, I don't know, but I, I couldn't tell you, but in the dialogue, it's the guy behind this project is saying that he's saying, we got people in a room. We didn't have to answer to anybody and we made something great happen. And I, I would agree. It's a great album. Um, it's, I think it's called the, uh, I'd have to look it up something with goosebumps, uh, is in the title, but anyway, one of the things he says in that little speech is he talks about the die empty speech, which you guys have probably heard before, you know, die empty, you know, like do everything possible, leave it all on the table, all that stuff. And when I hear that, I'm like, yeah, let's die empty. Yeah. You know, I love <laughs> that kind of stuff. Cause that's how I'm, that's how I'm wired. Yeah. And I say, I share all that because as much as I love it, I also see the pitfalls of it. So that's the, that's the balance game I'm trying to achieve is I, I put it differently. I think it's okay to, to rush headlong into things and, and just, you know, pour yourself into something and, and, and take the reins of that die empty kind of an approach, but man, you got to know when to rest and take your foot off the gas for a minute too. And just be in a space that doesn't have a device screen in front of you, uh, even alone, whatever it is, whatever, whatever it takes balance is the key. Right. Uh, can I chime in just real quick? Uh, it was a device in front of me, but this morning as I was taking my daughter to school, uh, I was sitting in the car, I was listening listen to this video from Matt Diavella, I think that's his name, uh, and it was about these uh, two people, who were, uh, two groups of people who were racing to the North Pole. And one group was racing the North Pole, they were, uh, every day they would go, you know, as many miles as they can get in. Uh, every day it was either, a, you know, crazy windstorm, winter storm, 
or whatever, but they, they pushed, they pushed, they pushed. And there was another group that said they would only do 15 miles a day, every day, regardless of whatever the weather was. And as they came to the end of the journey, the team that was doing 15 miles a day, it was like three days left on their journey. And they were like, we should push. It was like, the team was like, we should push. But the captain was like, no, we said we're gonna do 15 miles. So we're gonna do 15 miles. Um, when they arrived there, they arrived there with still having their energy and they arrived there three days before the other team that was pushing the hardest. And after that, they didn't, the other team didn't realize they had to get back. They had to get back from the North Pole. That team in this very morbid, they died on the way back. The other team that was rested, did the only the fifth mile, 15 miles, got there before and got home. And I think that that's something I'm trying to mull over in my mind right now. It's like just doing what I need to do to be productive and having that cutoff switch, at least for today, because the long run is the, the go. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I, I really like that. One of the things that that I do every day, I guess to try to help limit myself, because yeah, I, I will work all day long and all night, just like anyone else, right? Like it's, it's just a common thing. Like it's, it's easy to become a workaholic. So it's like, how do you limit that? And for me, it's, it's in that structure of eight items. Uh, every night, it's coming with a checklist, no more than eight items. And it's just because I, I, I don't know, any more than eight, it's just going to take me way too long and it won't give me the, the focus that I need. I, I don't, I read this somewhere. I can't remember where I, I'm horrible at crediting people with things. Cause it's just like, to, in my mind, it all just bumbles together anyway. Um, so outside of that, it's like, okay, well, whenever I'm done with those eight things, I'm done for the day, whether that's at two or whether that's at like five 30. Um, my wife won't let me work past five 30. So, <laughs> so she'll be, she'll be at the door knocking at that point. But, um, but it's, it's sort of like that idea for me. I'm like, I, I do almost see it like as that, that idea of like, let's take it 15 miles at a time. And like, yeah, I have all these ideas. I know how to fill my entire day with things that can help me like progress in my career. But at the same time, I, don't know, I, I think it's, it's real easy to kind of burn yourself out by just go, go, go all the time. You know, you said the five o'clock thing, like five years ago, and it's always been stuck in my head. I haven't stuck to it, but you have <laughs> said that five, five o'clock thing, like five years ago. And I was like, how does he do it? And I I'm trying. I'm still trying. I'm still trying to figure it out. Dude, it's same here, Charles. I don't know. So, Charles, you mentioned you're still struggling with that too. What you know, I I th I know that you've got the the day gig. What else are you? What else is on your plate on a daily basis? Uh, it's a balance between the day gig and the business, and like the you you talk about in that post wearing so many hats. Um, so the accountant, I'm an accountant still, right? So I got to still take care of those things. And then, I mean, my little one's 11, so I want to be there. And that's, those are, those are the priorities, the wife, the kid, and then the passion. And I'm trying to balance those all out and put them in little boxes that end before five, but then someone sends an email that like messes that all up. Right. <laughs> and so they're like, oh, I got to answer it. What's so when you say the business, you're not talking about the accounting. Uh, I'm uh, accounting, 
editing, like when inspiration strikes outside of the nine to five, um, I, I will be like, oh, this is a great time to do this creative video edit that I've been mulling over my head. I want to draw on that. Like I'll draw something on my iPad, have an idea to take to the video and I want to layer this in. And I don't, I need to like touch it. Like it needs to happen or I'll lose it. I won't, I don't have it after, right? I'll forget what I thought of if I don't physically do it at that time, which I'm trying to figure out how to keep it in the morning or keep it at a certain time frame. Um, so, yeah. And by the way, before I forget, I got to say this. One of the things I like about your work, your video work, um, is uh, there, there's a vibe around it that's really consistent. And um, how do I describe this? It's, it's, a, it's a mellow vibe um, consistently, which going back to Matt's question, you know, how, how, does, how do you, you, Charles, and your background and, you, and all the things that, that have made up you affect your work? And when I see your work, I, I, I see some of you coming in there in, in that way, in, in, that, in the sense that there's a, um, there's a, there's a, a relaxed kind of atmosphere about it. Um, so two things. One, I really appreciate that. And the reason I appreciate it is because it helps me uh, stroll into the story. It's probably the best way I can put it. I'm invited into that story. I think I think we've got plenty of media out there that's trying to slap me across the face six ways from Sunday to get my attention. I got it. You want to get my you want to yell at me. I understand. And sometimes there's a really good reason why we need to do that. But I appreciate that about your uh, the consistency that you bring. The second thing is I'd be curious, and if you have one, I'd love to see it. If there's a Charles project out there that requires you to amp it up and hit it with something that is different than, than the Charles personality that I know that I see in a lot of your work. I don't think there is. I don't think there's one that's amped. I kind of want to ask you to do it. Say, Charles, let's go do that and see what that looks like. Just for the- I think that's the challenge. Okay. That's the challenge that I would be willing to take on. Honestly, that's, uh, that's something I want to do. I will say, uh, why the vibe is the way it is is because uh, I consider it like the 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 Kanye West or the P Diddy effect or something along those lines where they wanted to be celebrities they wanted to be the subject of it in, in a way so like they produced the music to allow themselves to also be a part of it and I don't think that I cannot separate myself from the the art that I make like I just can't anything that I make it has to be some kind of for me to be interested in it, there has to be something that ties it to me. Um, At the same time, though, to use to, to to bring that to bring that example forward, I don't see you trying to inject yourself, like literally physically, into your work all the time. I mean, you're not a Kanye that way. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not saying okay. I want to. I want to <laughs> pop on the camera like it's about me. No, I right, wanna, <laughs> right. If, if you did, I'd be like Charles. What's going on, dude? <laughs> yeah. Some very compelling story, and I just jump on the camera like it's me. Hey, it's about <laughs> me right now. <laughs> No, not at all. No. I, I think that's what that's what I find to be really interesting about you, though, is that you don't necessarily and maybe I'm wrong here, but it seems like you don't necessarily want to be the one that's like in front of the camera. You want to be the one that's helping tell those other stories. I think a lot of people might say that, but I I really feel like it's genuine the way that you you do that. 
uh, I guess, I don't know, like, what is it that you're looking for in people? Like when you, when you start these shoots, like, what do you, what are some of the questions that you ask these people? Like, how do you, how do you dive so deep into a subject matter? Um, and I guess I'm, I'm kind of referring to one video specifically. Um, uh, what's his name? The, uh, drummer. <laughs> oh, Mark Lomax. Mark oh, yeah. Lomax. Yeah. Um, like that video specifically, I really love this, this video that you, you created about him and it definitely had this feel like you were almost intending to go in one direction and it kind of just had a life of its own, like throughout this video, where it's just kind of like, and that's why I say like this, this journalism aspect of kind of what you do, it feels like you were just following the story. Um, But like, what's the starting point whenever you do these things? I mean, there's a decent amount of simple research up front, but when it pertains to like asking a question, I ask a lot lot of stupid questions up front to (laughs) allow somebody to let down that guard. And, you know, you almost become friends, at least in that space, because I think it's important for them to feel comfortable to say what they want to say. Like, I like would much rather you say what you want to say and I have to take something out, then um, you are all pent up and all perfectly dressed and you're saying all the right things. Um, because we're humans and the I really only care about the human, the humanity side of any story, uh, because that's the thing that withstands the test of time, like TikTok or whatever, the, the, the greatest, the, you know, the latest dance craze and stuff like that, that won't last, you know, in the next 15 minutes, let alone the next 15 years. But when you're traversing that, that story that is like the tale is old as time, corny, uh, but the tale is old as time, ideas of what success is or how you work within a system that you've been brought up in, um, it resonates with me. And that's the part of me that I'm like, oh, let's let's hold on to that. Let's 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 talk about that. Let's let's get footage of that. Let's 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 put that in the time capsule so other people can be like, oh, this is it. Yeah. And, and you know what, Charles, that's not corny if you're out there doing the work like you are. Right. You know, those phrases are corny and they're, they're cliche if somebody's just tossing it out there to try to, you know, build some kind of fake resonance. I mean, you're, you're doing it. So you, you can, you can work those words all you want. That's yeah. my opinion. You know, well, thanks. <laughs> one of the things also I think about is the video that you actually made with Dylan. Um, that's still one of my favorite videos. Just to be inspired by anything um obviously i'm a little bit biased towards it because <laughs> two of my friends made a video basically Rupug. but yeah part of part of that storytelling isn't just in asking questions and listening to their answers so part of that storytelling was actually like seeing those people like living their lives a little bit um like there's one shot or two shots specifically of like one of like Dylan was just had those little ears on his, his head, um, those little rabbit ear things or whatever, and just kind of standing there straight face in front of a garage. Like to me, that shot was so, so vivid. And then there's that one. And then there's also like the, the shot of him, like riding backwards on the bike that you like reversed. Those two shots to me stand out so much. And there wasn't a single word 
spoken at any of those moments. It was really just capturing something else. Can you explain some of that? Sorry, I know that's really into the weeds here, but I'm just I'm curious, like, how, how do you make those decisions? Like, what what makes you decide those those moments? I, I just want to jump in before you answer, Charles, and say, I agree with Matt. Those two shots are my favorite shots in the video, too. The reason is I'm not a funny person. That's not meant to be a humorous video because there's nothing funny in it. It's just me talking very, you know, mono. It's a monologue. And um, those two moments are eye-catching. And so, yeah, I'm also curious. Why did you do that, Charles? I've never asked you. Um. Let me think back to that. I mean, yeah, this is, this is years ago. So. Right. <laughs> yes. Beat yes. Um, tracks. I, I noticed that I like to edit in a way that allows for happy accidents. And the backwards thing is not a happy accident. Let me say that up front. Yeah. That's not what that is. Um, but I also like to capture try to capture the essence of a person. And at that moment, we had, like, I asked stupid questions, right? So uh, Dylan and I had some conversations, uh, Dylan, Jason, and myself had some conversations um, about just life and stuff along those lines. And we were just chilling and it was just a good vibe. And I was like, we need to capture this. And, he was like, and Dylan was talking about, I, I, ride, I, I ride regularly and so on and so forth. And he was like, and I also have this hat. And I was like, what is that? Like, what does he look like? The Danny Darko. Darko. Is that what it's called? Donnie Darko. Donnie Darko. Yeah. Donnie Darko. And I was like, this is very specific to you now at that moment. It's a time capsule. And I was like, if he could just be in that moment in front of his garage, that'll, that'll be that, uh, that bookmark for me at that time. Like, I remember that moment vividly when it happened. Um, when it pertains to the reverse video, the bike riding backwards, there was this idea of staying, going back or staying in that moment. He was talking about riding and it was like being in that moment. I was like, well, he's riding away, but I wanted him to come back. I wanted him to stay in this moment. So reversing it was this idea of bringing it back to the moment of being able to think most creatively uh, why he was riding his way. That's brilliant. The Donnie Darko thing's pretty relevant too, because uh, I, I can definitely, I definitely struggle with the dark cloud over my head thing. And people think I'm like super, Mr. Super Positive, but yeah, the Donnie Darko reference is not lost on me at all. Mm -hmm. Plus, beyond that, there's just this irreverence about it with that shot. And again, I think that's an important part of balance in the video. You know, it's because yeah. again, it's a fair, it's a pretty serious video. I'm not trying to be funny, like I said. So I, I appreciate yeah. the fact that you captured that. You know, it's funny. I do think that you're funny. So I don't know why you're saying you're not funny, but that's, that's, that's no here nor here there. Well, thanks. Yeah. My, my wife thinks I'm funny. Um, <laughs> oh, that's two. He thanks, laughs Charles. at you every day that you walk in. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I know, I know we're talking about like specific examples, but there's there's so many good things that that I love that you've created. Um, but I guess here's here's the other thing is that I don't feel like I feel like your best work is in front of you. And 
it's really exciting for me to see that evolution just of, of a friend that's working their ass off and seeing like these this incremental improvement and seeing that it's like oh man like it's easy for for us to see this sort of path that you're like or this sort of trajectory that you're that you're on and for me it's just it's really exciting to watch as as things get better and I don't know. You get your name out there more, I guess. On that note, Charles, uh, what's what's something that you've got on the horizon that you can talk about? Something you're excited about? Uh, I've got two documentaries that I'm working on. One uh, that I've been working on for like the last three years, uh, which will hopefully be coming out in the next year. Okay. <laughs> so I'm super excited about uh, that project. Is is talking about. Um, uh, being an in-betweener in, in a generation. So like your ailing parent or your elderly mother is uh, sick and passing away and you also have a newborn child and you're trying to traverse that space. Um, and there's uh, some, some uh, statistics that talk about how minorities struggle with it on a different level because there's like an embedded culture that says that we have to uh, support our parent in that way um, because they don't uh, they're not financially ready to take care of themselves. They need to have a retirement set up or something along those lines. Um, and then there's a couple, uh, another documentary I'm doing um, about Amina Robinson, which will be coming out soonish, um, and that's going to be fun because uh, I'm from here. I'm from Columbus, and she's a icon to me and to the city. Yeah, just to call that out, I mean, uh, both those sound great. And uh, but when you say Amina, dude, that exhibit at the art museum saw it last year. Wow, I mean, I get goosebumps just mentioning it. Walking through that, she was a yeah. force of nature, man. Whew, you we just change, you through, go to her uh, house. Oh, I'd love to see that. I'm serious. I still I got just goosebumps there. just having this conversation. What, what you got to walk through it? Yeah, I've been, uh, this is a little flex, but uh, I know somebody. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm in the house regularly. I've been over there like the last two weeks, like three times, two, three, oh, two, three sweet. times. And so obviously you've been given uh, clearance to shoot in there and and um, as part of the documentary. Yeah, yeah. Oh it's, man, this is great. There's some, she's probably, like, it's just ridiculous the amount of work she crammed into the time that she was here. Yeah, there's just, fo- there were photographs of it in the exhibit and, uh, I, I can only imagine how cool it would be to thinking about you, especially, and the way that you're contemplative and uh, a good observer, and just there's a there's a there's a measured pace about about you and how you work, and I, I think you know put a cam- now now there's a camera in your hand and you're in Amina Robinson's house, and now you get to just stand there and think about what you want to capture for like just the B-roll, right? It's got to be like yes, exactly editing that will yeah i get it this is going to take a while okay this is i'm excited to, to see what that looks like yeah um let's see let's go to some final thoughts here again i realized the the question was a little bit uh, all over the place early on there but some final thoughts um as far as i don't know maybe we use this as sort of advice how how can other people use their 
past as part of their creative future. I don't think that they have to try. I think that it's automatic. I think that you automatically begin to use your past, your your cornerstone, those those moments kind of push you along the road. That's what make that's what makes you who you are. I don't think that you have to, I don't think it's an effort. There's any effort to it. I don't think you try, do you try to use your past? It's kind of like, it's just the thing in the back of your mind that's like, go. I think that early on, it was easy just to copy what other, other people were doing. I guess it's that, that, that season of imitation where you're like, oh, Aaron Draplin does really cool <laughs> logos. I'm going to do logos like him. Um, but what people don't realize is it's unique to him. It's unique to his thinking and everything like that. So it's good to explore those things. But I think that some people fail to move forward. Sorry, I think I just opened up another can of worms. <laughs> yes, because that's, yeah. that's a different... <laughs> that's a different question for me because I think that it my past influences my future in a way that I came from a, a space that wasn't necessarily known or looked at as a space where success could happen. Um, uh, like my my as a reference, my cousin he just got out of prison. He's getting out of prison next week, and he's been in prison for twelve years. Um, and he lived in my room with me. Like he's like, we were, we experienced life together in that way. So, um, a lot of my influence comes from not seeing anybody who was like me in actually funny enough in that space and in pop culture. Right. Cause I was this weird in between, like my cousin would be, my cousins in my surrounding area would be listening to uh, 50 Cent and all this like this really hip hop stuff, and I'll be listening to Tattoo and and 50 Cent and these 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 other references that are completely totally different um, from each other. And I think that I developed that voice based on not being of either crowd, but being a amalgamation of the both. Thank God for that. I'm serious. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I love seeing who you are and, and hearing it put that way is, is special. You know, how many people out there roll through their life, especially from a creative standpoint, and never try to do anything past just emulating somebody else? I mean, think about it from a music standpoint. How many people out there are just doing the same thing as somebody else? And don't get me wrong, it's, it's hard. Originality is brutally difficult to pull off. You know, right. uh, Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. He was right. So uh, speaking of another can of worms that we can open up, but um, <laughs> stay tuned next week. For more cans of worms. <laughs> cans of worms with Matt Dillon and Charles. Well, Charles, I, I think that's a great place to stop um, I, I, with your comments about, you know, we, we can't help but bring ourselves into these things. And um, hopefully in a health, healthy way is the only thing I would add. And I think you've done a, a, a great job of that to uh, acknowledge the past, the good and the bad, and, and, um, and, and move forward with really great stuff. And like Matt said, uh, the best of your work is yet to come. 
So I really appreciate you making the time today. That's not to put pressure on you, by the way. I realized (laughs) that might be like, oh, no. (laughs) Um, That's not how I take it. But I thank you. Awesome, man. All right. Love you. Bye. Love you guys. Thanks. The Command Z Show is Matt Vojak and Dylan Mingus. Have a question you want us to discuss? Send us a message at cmdz.show. And while you're at it, we'd love a quick review on the podcast platform of your choice. Thanks for listening.